Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Tuesday Tips brought to you by the Hunt Lifty Podcast. I'm Carter McKenzie. This week we're joined by a couple repeat offenders. We got Tyler Jensen, we got Bobby McCready, and we got a new fella this week. We got Frank Melito. Did I say that right? You did. Nailed Thank it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Too easy. The, Crushed it. The pressure was on. Wrap it up. <laughs> Episode's over. I nailed it. Yeah, too easy. <laughs> So this is a second installment of our dog series until we come up with a better working name. Um, so that's still in the works until uh, somebody comes up with a better option for me. I have it plugged in in quotation, the four-legged hunter, which I think you came up with, Frank. It's a pretty good idea. So uh, mine was behind the tail. Behind the tail. We could run with behind the tail. I just like that because figure that we're always chasing our own dogs around. <laughs> <laughs> I thought last last podcast we decided it was the best thing since Betty White. That's we true. Did. The best thing since Betty White is probably the strongest contender so far. Hell yeah. Yeah. We'll keep, we'll keep that at the forefront of our minds. Thank you for reminding us, Tyler. Yeah. So we're talking dogs again this week. Um, last week we kind of jumped into the basics and uh, Bobby and Tyler kind of recapped a few basic tips for uh, their dog training um, regimes that they do in the off season. Uh, things like keeping it simple and, and training areas specific to your dog that are not allocated to um, playtime. Um, and now I think as we get further down the series, we'll start ramping it up into a little more advanced uh, tips here. So um, I'm going to shut my mouth and I'm going to let these guys talk about their awesome dogs. Um, Bobby, you want to kick us off with what you're thinking this week? I do. And again, I'm going to kick off with you did not introduce our dogs again. So, you know, I'm going to introduce Sarge, Sage and Ginger that are joined with me uh, again. You know, those got to got to include the dogs in the episodes. So, it know. makes me feel so inconsiderate when you do that. I, I apologize. <laughs> I should have led with Bobby doesn't matter. Please tell yeah. us about Sarge, please. I, I'm just talking about them. So, you know, they need their introduction. I'm just here talking because they don't speak, you know, English. Thank so. you. Thank you. You're, uh, their you're welcome. I get it. Now that we fix that up, I'll uh, dive right into my tip here. <laughs> my tip today, uh, I'm just going to piggyback off of what I kind of said last last week here. Uh, last week, I was talking about training in a designated area, make not mixing in those uh, your dog play time with your dog work time and uh, off-season training. So usually one of my first steps uh, when you get a dog within the first six months is try to accustom your dog to loud noises right off the bat because you want to make sure that they're not going to have a bad time when you shoot that gun. So a couple little few little things that you can do. Uh, the easiest and the simplest one to start off with small is your dog, remember, is a visualizes and thinks of things like remember your dog goes into that vet they know hey vet bad so i'm not going to go into there so uh when you have some your dog with a happy time and your dog's tail's wagging uh sometimes what i like to do is just clap loudly if once you give a little clap they associate that good time with a louder noise and then you get a little louder each time every time you do that uh when my dog's eating i kind of just uh they're happy their tail's wagging i give them a clap and doesn't even phase them one bit uh each week i'll get a little bit louder and then to the point where sometimes I get a blank and then I'll take a blank gun, like the little cap gun, shoot that off. And, you know, they they now associate it OK with that loud noise with eating. It's OK. It's a good time to have here. So small little tip, like to work it in every chance you can. Um, it's a it's a doozy, but a lot of people forget that you don't want to just start right off with a gun, obviously, and make a, a gun shot. Yeah. And the science 
the science backs it up, right? I mean, early psychology says, you know, going all the way back to <laughs> Pavlov's classical conditioning, this works, right? I mean, classical conditioning works for dogs. It's uh, exactly what it was used yeah. on, right? Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. So that's pretty cool. And then, you know, we were talking before the show started too, and and, and Frank said, you know, every dog's different and every dog trainer is going to be different. Um, so you want to you jump in on that, Frank? Uh, yeah, well, you know, uh, first off, just to kind of like piggyback off Bobby, like absolutely, when your dog's eating, if it's happy, clap your hands. I used to look like a crazy person slamming doors and dropping pots and pans. And remember those old like pop guns that we had as kids? Once like, it gets to that, I'll I'll start, you know, popping that off and, I, and I'll actually leave it around. And then once she gets acclimated and she gets better on that, I'll grab my shotgun and if I take her for a walk, I'll hold it. I'll leave it by her, her food bowl, by her bed, just to kind of add to that. Like, okay, I'm eating. This is happy. Now I'm seeing a shotgun. Well, okay, that's that's cool. It's hanging out while I'm eating. And then pop. Oh, that, that's cool. Whatever. I'm just eating along. So, yeah, same deal. Just kind of get them, like, acclimated. Now, with you guys, Tyler and Frank, like, my dog on 4th of July, fireworks are going off. My dog's running around the yard looking for dead birds. What are your dogs doing on, on 4th of July? <laughs> My dogs are terrified, and I don't get it. Like I was telling you guys earlier, if I bring a shotgun out, they're both the happiest two dogs you'll ever see ecstatic. But the second you start like frying something in a pan or even bringing groceries in, like that crackling, and then fireworks, they're both just tails tucked between their legs, hiding under the bed. I don't get it. I'm okay with it because like it's fine, but I, I, who knows? Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with that also. So as my, my older dog, Scout, so my dogs are Scout and Molly. I mean, I should have introduced them first. I'm here because of them. Like, I don't really matter. They matter. It's a, it's a failure on my part, Frank. I've Bob That's right. pointed out I've, I've dropped the ball as a host. I mean, I couldn't help myself. I had to add it in there. No, yeah, so like, yes, I definitely you. agree with that. Like, as a puppy, my older dog, Scout, she didn't care about fireworks. Now she's seven. Now fireworks go off and she she's crazy. She's barking. She runs around barking. My little one, she, she don't care. But I'm assuming that when she gets older, it's going to be a problem. But yeah, but then when it comes to sh- shooting shotguns, I can shoot. I can shoot my AR or my service weapon. She care less. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy how different dogs, different ages, and like mine. It, it's so annoying when they fireworks. Everyone's like, "Oh, they're scared." Like, no, they're pacing the house back and forth, <laughs> looking for what just got shot or what they're missing out on outside. Like they're just like crying and whining. They get out there, ready to work. Yeah, that's exactly. Great. That's awesome, man. Um, Frank, why don't you introduce, you know, a little more intimately flesh out kind of who, who your dogs are um, and kind of your background as a, as a dog trainer, as a dog owner. And then uh, why don't you lead us into the tip you got for us this week? All right, cool. Yeah. So uh, my name is Frank Melita. My dogs are Molly and Scout. Scout is seven. Molly is one and a half. Um, they pretty much will hunt. They're like me. They're like a dopey hunter. They just want to hunt. They don't care if it's a rabbit, a squirrel, a pigeon, a duck, or a, uh, a shed. They really care less. So I know that like, you know, uh, everyone has their own philosophy on training. So I definitely started out with probably as most of all of us did with not knowing anything. Um, and then, uh, when I got on my dog, I kind of had a plan, which was going to lead me into my tip. So. I might as well just jump right into that now. Um, before you, you have a dog, before you pick up your dog, have a plan. Figure out what you want to do, what you want to train your dog for, and how you plan on doing it. Um, obviously, uh, everything starts off of the basic obedience, but still, if you're going to follow a program, follow a program. Um, 
you, you can get in contact with some some local people and local groups in your area and just look for like-minded people. But you're going to hear 25 different ways to do one thing. That's why I tell everyone, if you're going to have a dog and you're going to train it for a certain skill, just follow one program and stick to it. Frank, are you part of uh, NAVDA by any chance? So I am not. So uh, I've actually done, uh, I do uh, HRC and AKC. Uh, and awesome. then I have a buddy upstate who uh, he does the the other one. It's like called like uh, like Nara, and uh, it's kind of like like HRC. It's geared more towards like uh, hunting situations. That's Would awesome. you guys mind fleshing out those acronyms for uh, people who may <laughs> not be as familiar? So NAVDA is the North American Versatile Hunting Dog Association. Uh, it's a group of dog hunters and they like you can find chapters pretty much everywhere across North America and they do a lot of from beginners to expert and the groups that meet up uh, I know my local chapter actually meets up 20 minutes away from me and does uh, some great things with beginners and novices and experts and great great thing to join if you uh, if you're starting off with a bird dog that's that's usually where a good place to start to be honest with you Okay, and then you know, then there there's a, a HRC, which is the Hunting Retriever Club, and it is uh it's kind of a branch off of like UKC, the United Kennel Club. But again, that's geared more towards like actual hunting scenarios. Then you have what's called like the AKC field trial test. That's more where you see people in like white coats and their dogs are doing blinds and marks at like four hundred yards. Um, so like that's no, that's cool, but like that's a lot more of like a niche type thing. So I do that more for like extra training in, in the off season where my dogs can't hunt, but going through these clubs, HRC and, and AKC style, they get to see all different kinds of scenarios. And most groups get permits to actually shoot birds and hunt birds. So as far as your dog knows, it's, it's hunting all year round. That's um, awesome. so I guess that'll kind of lead me into like off season training. Yeah, go ahead. So the way that I see it, and this is just for me, is that there is no off-season. There's hunting season, and then there's training season. So uh, for me, this, the off-season is that like I'm not, I'm not actively hunting something that's open, but I'm s- still out there each day. I'm you know, working on certain things, whether it be hand signals, so casting, or it's going to be marks, whether I'm trying to you know, straighten them out, or I'm trying to do a certain blind. The idea, the idea being you're never like taking the dog out of the game. Like The dog's always in the game, always focused, always working on being focused and kind of sharpening those skills. Uh, yeah, correct. Well, yeah, definitely. And then, you know, like let's say during, so like I always say that the easiest way to mess up a dog is to take them hunting. So uh, they're going to learn all kinds of, you know, bad habits that you might not want if they're going to be running any like field trial or hunt test, but that's fine. I mean, you know, we have our dogs to hunt with us and be our, you know, buddies and then you can just get back into training, you know, ease back into it. Instead of doing 400-yard mark, start with 50 and go back to 100 and so on and so forth. Baby steps. Yeah, that's awesome. And what kind of uh, – primarily what type of hunting are you training your dogs for, Frank? <laughs> so I do everything. A little uh, bit of everything, right? <laughs> yeah, but I mean I'd say, uh, you know, predominantly duck hunting. But, uh, I mean, the past couple of years with having kids – like I just kind of like fell in, I fell in love again with Upland. I just I, I absolutely love Upland, and I mean you know like what dog doesn't want to actively hunt rather than sit next to me in a blind freezing freezing its ass off. 
But uh, and then I also dabbled with you know squirrels and rabbits and sheds and all that that good stuff. Hey Frank, since you have labs and you do upland, do your do your labs point or are they flushers mostly? I'm always curious to know. Like I don't know like what what lo- gist everybody does when they have labs and they do upland hunting. Yeah, so so mine flush. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm young. I'm 36. I'm in shape. I I, I love a hard flush. Um, I mean, will I someday ever train a dog to point and or get a pointer? Probably, but right now, I mean, you just can't beat when that dog gets birdie and you see its tail going and, and it hits like, you know, you know, hyperdrive. So yeah. Oh, but I mean, I do keep them close. So like I will use a, a whistle sit on the flush. Um, and then I also use, instead of using like, whoa, like most people do with pointers, I use weight just in case I, I, I need them to slope a little bit. And I also incorporate what's called uh come around. So they learn if they're too far out after quartering that they'll, uh, they'll circle back. That's cool. Uh, Bobby and Tyler, do y'all dabble with uh, voice commands with your dogs? Oh, yeah. So I, what he just said, like my biggest one is, whoa, I'm constantly like I'm training, whoa, daily, constantly by putting a cookie on the ground. Anything that my dog's doing, it's going to be with a whoa command. My dog knows that. I mean, I have I put cookies on their nose and they just sit there and drool with the whoa command and they won't move out of that whoa until they get the release word. And then sometimes when you have some buddies over, you you can see how long you can keep your dog in woe for and see what uh, <laughs> it's a game. Yeah, my command is uh, easy. Like if I, if they're if they're out in the field and they're going crazy, I'll just yell easy and they'll kind of come back within that you know extra ten yards to make it shootable. But when it's also if I'm doing tricks for friends, stay, stay like the stay. They will not move. They know. Well, dad said stay. We're ready to rock and roll until he says to do whatever else. And like what Frank was saying, you, you, there is no off season. You have to consist. I've, I've been bad to a point where you forget to, you know, life gets crazy. You forget to take your dogs out for the day and do the basic commands. And then next thing you know, you're, you go out the next day and they're, and they're just not listening the way you want to. Well, it's because they're, they're kind of out of it a little bit. So you got to pull back the reins and get them back into that hyperdrive and be like, Hey, this is, this is training. We're, we're doing a job here. We need to focus. That's really good to know. That's kind of uh, refreshing and a little bit reinforcing our command for our mediocre lab is weight. And so that's good to hear from you, Bobby, and from you, Frank, and he'll sit there and wait forever until the, until the re- release word is said, which is free for us. Um, that's good. Dude. I, uh, that feels good. No one makes you feel a little better right? now. You feel, yeah, I feel next, like I'm doing you, something right. Yeah. yeah, you got you got it now. Like, nice. That's it. Just get him in the field. That's the next step. Too easy, <laughs> dude. So <laughs> if I take him in the bass pack back pasture and I just said free, see you later. Like never see you again. Like, I, I love I, that everybody's got such different commands, man. That's so cool to me because yeah. like I'm big on whoa, slow, yeah. and then the release words. Like yeah. that's that's you know because we train different styles of dogs pointing. And then I do slow because if he, the, dog, the bird's a little further, I want my dog to creep up and then he actually creeps up and then his release word. So it's, it's awesome to see different uh, commands. Yeah. So as far as like, you know, pointing, like, like, you know, like I said, I'll do wait. So if I see the bird before the dog does, sometimes I'll go like, wait. And it's kind of like saying, whoa. And the dog will kind of wait and I go, okay. And she'll, she'll flush it up and I'll hit a whistle. Do uh, you guys also incorporate a lot of like like a whistle tones for when the dog is a little bit too far or it's kind of windy or loud? So for me, I'll do like a double toot, like a toot toot, and she, she'll know to look at me and quarter. 
So I'll kind of do like toot toot, and I'll kind of cast her to the right, toot toot, cast her left, and then then for me a single whistle is sit, and three whistles is recall. Uh, no, my dogs are not that smart. Uh, making me feel bad here. Uh, <laughs> my, but I will say my dogs don't really get too far out. Uh, if I'm upland birding, upland birding, upland bird hunting with my dogs, I actually put like a bell on their neck, like a cowbell or a, whatever Cabela's has or whatever store has. Yeah, so I know, I know, okay, if I hear the bells and they, they have two different types of bells. So I know that Millie has more of like the deeper cowbell and then Tank has the more high pitch one. If I don't hear them, it's a problem. So then I go, come, and I just – I don't use a whistle. I just yell it as loud as I can. And then next thing you know, I hear the chime come back, and then there's two dopey labs like, oh, we're here. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah, same, same. I do I do the whistle, especially just because, you know, since Tyler, you, like, you know, our, our dogs don't point. Our dogs flush. So, like, for me, if I can't see them in, like, f- five-foot-high, you know, switchgrass, I kind of want to know, is my dog going to pop out and run? So, yeah, you know, I definitely agree with the uh, bell as well. What's so funny is I use the bell completely different than you guys, though. So, like, as a pointer, I use the bell. And then when I don't hear the bell, I know there's a, my dog's on a bird because that means he's on point. So, that's it's a completely different aspect of using the bell. But, of course, I use the bell as well. That's interesting. That's really cool. What's your guys' thoughts on using shot collars? So, the shot collar that I have has three, it has a vibrate, a tone, and then an actual like charge, like a, a zap. So what I do for my dogs and what they're trained on, and my dog, Millie, my oldest, she doesn't need it. She just listens all the time. But Tank is still intact, has four years old or five years old now. And he just kind of, sometimes he just does his own thing. And so he knows that, okay, tone, he can hear it. And he knows that I'm supposed to come back. And then if he doesn't, he knows, okay, he's getting a zap. Now my rule for having a shot collar is I never zap my dogs anything higher than I've been zapped for it with. So I keep it really low and it's just a little reminder. Not, a, I'm not trying to hurt him. I'm not trying to really make this whole experience miserable. I'm just giving him a little kind of buzz being like, Hey dude, you're out of line. Come back. Let's, let's get, let's regroup. Yeah. So I agree. So I am a big fan of the e-collar. Because shocking nowadays, no one likes to, you know, hear that term. But yes, uh, I am a firm believer. But it's got to be got to be done right. I've seen a lot of people wreck a lot of good dogs and just do things wrong and make them collar shy and make them shy to everything. So for me, what I do is, as a puppy, I will have my dog wear that that uh, e collar every time that I take him out for a walk or to train or to play. Every single time that they leave the house, so for all that you know, they know they're associating it with like like a leash or like my shotgun, and and then except and then and then I go through a whole collar conditioning process where I put them back on lead on a short lead. I run them through you know formal training, and then I graduate to a fifteen foot lead, then I graduate to a thirty foot lead. So yeah, uh, I am definitely a firm believer. I don't want to shock them any more than I have to, but we have labs and they are stubborn. So sometimes when they're hot on a bird, a a number three is just not going to work, unfortunately. Yeah. I was telling you guys a little bit about the woes of our special dog that we got from the streets of Atlanta uh, when we got him as a rescue and our our e-collar training, kind of like you were saying, Frank, like when you have a program, stick to it. The, the last name Rucker around here in North Georgia is a big name for, uh, uh, a guy who trains labs and, and a lot of hunting dogs around here. And that's who we did our training through. 
I was being doing some wishful thinking when we got into this training. Um, and he introduces the e-collar right at the beginning. And then he makes everybody in the class hold that collar with the prongs down in your hand. And he says, hold this and I'm going to turn it up until you feel it. And then when you can't, you know, when you can't stand it anymore, you're never going to turn it up like for that, for your dog, like ever. That's, that's your threshold. Like you felt it kind of like you're saying, Tyler. Um, and really like e-collar is the right term, right? Cause nowadays it's not like, it's not, well, at least ours isn't like the zap. It's a, it feels more like a tens unit for anybody who is an athlete um, or had any physical therapy or anything like that. It's more like a tens unit and it's kind of just like a, a correction more than a, a shock. Yeah. So I actually, my, so my dogs are actually all on e-collars and uh, what I had one time we actually were in the woods and my dog was stuck on a black bear and I was scared shitless. I didn't know if he was going to run after the black bear, what was going on. And lucky for me, I had the e-collar on and that was the only time that I actually went to the highest setting to scare the living shit out of him and get him back away from that bear. Cause I was like, I didn't know what was going on. And then uh, when I go to work, I hide the remote. So my wife doesn't have the uh, e-collar controller. <laughs> Cause you'll wake up with it around your neck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because these are quote unquote my dogs when they're you know when I'm not here. <laughs> yeah, agreed. You know, but and exactly, but like you know, each dog is gonna have their own threshold that you're gonna as you whichever program that you're following, you're gonna learn that dog's threshold. And yeah, I definitely definitely suggest that you put it on your either your wrist, your ankle, your neck, or all three, just so you can kind of feel what your dog is getting. But again, every dog like my puppy. She she has drive like I've n- never seen before, and her nose gets the best of her. Like she was she was actually on a bird recently, and I see her. She she, she was hard tracking. She she's young, so first I do here nothing, whistle two 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 nothing, then here on three Nick, here on four Nick. I'm like oh god here we go, here on five Nick, and finally she comes running in like okay okay I'm here I'm here but again like. You definitely don't want your dog to become vocal off of the e-collar. And again, if you're, you're you're on a program, follow it. Make sure that your dog understands what you're asking of it before you're going to instill the e-collar and use that as a correction. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's 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 great stuff right there. Uh, what do you think of Tyler? I, guess, I mean, with the e-collar and going into gear, I'm going to jump into – Two things that I think are for duck hunting out of blinds and if you're hunting ponds with beavers, you know, we talk about gear for dogs and everyone, you know, upland bird may be a little different. You guys have orange vests for your dogs. But um, when I hunt here in Montana, it's, it's wintertime for ducks for the most point. So the water's cold. It's cold out. Um, so I think vests are a huge, huge benefit to the dog for two reasons. One, you know, the dogs jump in the water. You don't necessarily see it, what's in there. Beavers could have dammed it up and chopped something down. And the last thing I want to see is my dog jump on a, a spike and get injured. And now we're in a crisis situation where I've got to haul this dog out and hopefully save him or her. Um, but the other thing with the vest too, like I said, it's cold. So those five millimeter neoprenes, you know, it really keeps that core temperature nice and warm and it keeps the dog happy and it makes them want to stay out there. And another good thing about the vest is that if your dog is sitting in front of you, you can tuck your hands up into the vest and it's a nice little heater for you. So, um, the vest is huge. And then, um, along with, you know, if you're hunting a pond, make sure you walk out, you know, where the dog is going to jump in, you know, within probably 10 or so yards of that entire, uh, line there, just 
walk that edge and just make sure that there's no stumps or fallen logs. You know, like I said, you'd hate to see a dog get injured doing what it loves to do. And now you're in a situation where you potentially could lose your animal. Yeah, for sure. I definitely use a, you know, a, a five millimeter also a vest. Uh, Cause I mean, for where I'm at in, uh, or New York. So I'm, I'm like, I'm down South of it right now. And sometimes I'll go, I'll drive six hours up North, up North past a Rochester to, to hunt, you know, the duck opener and it, it, it'll snow. It, so I'll have like a 10 plus, you know, degree difference. So yeah, I'm definitely a big fan of the vest. And, uh, I also carry sometimes some like honey, uh, just to, or, or a treat or a snack, just so if it's super, super cold, she can chew on something just to get her uh, body core temp up a little bit. Tyler, do you, um, what kind of, uh, like duck hunting scenarios are you, are you running? Like, do you use the, uh, like platforms that attach to, to trees or are you hunting out of blinds or are you hunting on banks or what do you, yeah. Doing? So mostly it's out of blinds. Um, <clears throat> when I, when I set up my dog or if I'm hunting with like a group of friends, I always sit on the edge of the blind. I shoot left-handed, so I'm usually like on the left side of the blind. And then Millie or Tank will sit outside of the blind and they'll lay down. And I'll make – I either have like – I actually have a pop-up layout blind for them and I'll bring that. It's super small, throw it in my bag and just go. And they can sit in there and they know that's their place. And then, um, yeah, like riverbanks. I hate river hunting for ducks. It's so hit or miss, you know. It's Especially here in Montana, it's hard to get access on the river down here in the Bitterroot. Um so that river access is just tough. And then once you get to the river, it's so low where the water is, there's no, there's no cover. It's just rocks. So you're not just going to lay out there and just paint yourself like a rock and hope for the best. But, um, that's primarily what I hunt. That's fantastic, man. Um, yeah, this has all been phenomenal stuff. Um, do you guys want to briefly recap your, your tips real quick before we, before Bobby takes us on out of here, Frank, go ahead. Yeah, sure. So first of all, I just want to say, Tyler, it's super nice to meet another left-hander. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wait, I'm a left-hander too, so don't Let's throw go. me out like that. What the hell? hell? That far. All right, so this is even better. What right, is right, even right. happening right now? <laughs> We've all got the devil's arm. Let's go. <laughs> that is even better. All right, good, good. So yeah, so to uh, recap my uh, my tip is uh, make sure that you have a plan before you bring your dog home. Uh, figure out what program that you're going to run and stick to it. Um, you could definitely look online to find some local training groups. I definitely suggest that you link up with like-minded people. Remember, dog people do have very strong opinions. So if you're on a program, stick to it. And yeah, just ha- have fun with your dog and don't rush your dog. Yeah, my two tips. Um gear, you know, shot collars, they can be used either really badly or they can be a great benefit to you and your, in your companion, but also those neoprene, those protective vests help them with keeping their core warm and also protecting them from unknown obstacles inside the water. And, uh, yeah, that's my two tips. Uh, that sounds like some awesome stuff. Some awesome tips as always from some great guys here. And especially since we're all left-handers. So I guess that just means that lefties are the best dog handlers out there. That just settles that debate. Hands down. <laughs> it's, just, it's just known now at this point. Proof so as plan. always, thank you guys for listening to us. Uh, make sure you follow the Hunt, Lift, Eat podcast, Hunt, Lift, Eat on Instagram. Hey, Tyler, where can everybody find you on Instagram? You can find me at Big Sky underscore Ty. Um, 
like I said last podcast, if you don't like hunting, fishing, or dog pictures, just don't even follow me because that's all I post. <laughs> it's okay. Hey, Frank, how about you, man? Where can we follow you? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, birddogs underscore and underscore barbells. And pretty much the same as Tyler. It's going to pretty much be dead animals, dogs, sometimes my kids as of late. And uh, yeah, if you don't like that, I'm sorry. Scroll on. <laughs> We, we might as well just ask Carter what his Instagram is, too. We might as well just uh, have him add into it. Not that everybody doesn't follow him already. You guys can follow me at the homestead underscore GA. I'll post a picture of my mediocre dog tomorrow. And post a picture of that new haircut you got, too, please. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, lefties out. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Appreciate it, guys. <laughs>